protests in the world's biggest democracies, baby woolly mammoth discoveries, plastic bands, and porky perfume. Yes, this is Newsy Baloozy. Over here. Hey, 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 hey listen up. Happy summer, or is it the summer of discontent with protests in America and India? Never fear, jollier news is here. From the discovery of a mummified ice age mammoth to a major ban on single use plastic. Never mind a perfume with a special smell. Clue, oink oink. <laughs> I'm Leela Shivshankar Prickett, and as ever, I'm joined by my sidekick, producer Mama. Hello, I'm Lindy Prickett. It's summer. So we have our special shorter news episode for you. It's a quick dip in the world news pool. Let's begin with the big news story of the week. Taking to the streets and expressing your unhappiness or discontent with something is a sign of a thriving democracy. So no wonder that many people in the world's two largest democracies, those would be the United States and India, are out in large numbers. In the U.S., there's a lot of anger towards the Supreme Court reversing a ruling that's been around almost 50 years. It's a topic related to women's rights that is super complicated. And controversial. As soon as you find out people are mad at the Supreme Court, you'll find others are glad at the reversal. Both sets of people are out on the street making their voices known, trying to get the attention of lawmakers they elect. And spin the globe halfway around to India, and there are protests there too. Right. This is about a few people saying things about a religion that people in that religion find offensive. So offensive that they're taking to the streets in the thousands to let their anger or discontent be heard. And it's not just religious sentiments either. Even some proposed changes in the military have sent people to the streets in protests, which sometimes have gotten out of hand fast. Yeah, we're happy to say there is some more pleasant, even laudable or worthy of praise news in India to report upon too. Oh yeah, on the 1st of July, India will ban single-use plastic. Finally! (laughs) Plastic waste is a big threat to the environment as it doesn't biodegrade or break down, but just turn into microplastics, which get into our water, our fish, food sources, and then... Our bodies. So things like plastic straws and sticks used to hold anything from balloons to popsicles. And plastic cups and cutlery and all the excess plastic used to wrap around boxes of chocolate, cigarettes, and even greeting cards. Banned! It seems as though plastic bottles aren't on the list. So we're going to have to follow up on this story. Don't worry, we'll keep you posted. And now... It's the call of nature. Nature. Get on your safari suit or squeeze into your scuba gear. gear. And get ready to hop into a jeep or a submarine. Submarine. Because Mother Nature is calling. Nature. You won't believe what's being found in northwestern Canada. A whole baby woolly mammoth frozen for 30,000 years. Poor darling. Well, her early death back in the Ice Age is something special for scientists to study today, at least. Yes, it's the most complete mummified mammoth found in North America, and only the second such find in the world. Staying with science news. Scientists have finally rediscovered a lost fossil site in South America. Why finally? Well, it was first discovered in a remote location of Brazil 70 years ago. But those who stumbled across it weren't able to retrace their steps. 
The area is geographically unique, with conditions ideal for trapping and preserving loads of dead organisms, including precious ancient plants. Otherwise known as prehistoric treasures. <laughs> Scientists say this could help shed light on one of the biggest extinction events in Earth's history. Yowza wowza! And finally... What's that smell? Breakfast! We're talking sizzling bacon, folks. To many, it's an irresistible odor. Mmm. But does that mean you want to spray it on you? I don't know. But you can try now. A new bacon-scented fragrance was just released called Right in Degree 100. I would have liked more of a patchier name. But anyway, and no, in case you're wondering, there's more to this perfume than pig. <laughs> it features notes of bacon, applewood, bergamot, white patchouli, sandalwood, and maple syrup. Mm-mm. What a shame Mother's Day has come and gone, hey? I don't know about that. And that's all we have time for this week, folks. But we know you're comfortable and want to hear more, so... To the stars this week we go. Yes, this is one of the coolest, spaciest podcasts around. For space nerds and star lovers alike is Reach, a space podcast for kids. Which we are sharing a special episode with you right now. Take it away, Reach. If you were packing a duffel bag to go to space, what would you take with you? How can you prepare to be a good crew member in space and in everyday life? If you were to create a space-related poem, what would you write about? I'm Meredith Stepien. And I'm Brian Holden, and this is Reach, a space podcast for kids. Welcome to a very special edition of Reach, a space podcast for kids. April is National Poetry Month, and Meredith and I thought, what better way to celebrate artists and astronauts than featuring both of them on the show? That's right. Later in the show, you'll hear an original space-inspired poem from Astro Ryan, who's a member of our Reach listener community. Hi, Astro Ryan. You'll also learn how you can have your own original space-related poem featured on an upcoming episode of Reach. But first, this week, we were incredibly fortunate to speak with Dr. Cyan Proctor, who is a geoscientist, explorer, space artist, and astronaut. She was the mission pilot for Inspiration4, which was the first all-civilian mission to orbit. Dr. Proctor told us all about her journey as a scientist and artist, how she won a contest to go to space, and all about her motto, Space to Inspire, where she encourages people to use their unique one-of-a-kind strengths and passion to inspire those within their reach and beyond. She also told us about ways to actively strive for a Jedi space, a just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space as we advance human spaceflight. Let's have a listen. Dr. Cyan Proctor, welcome to Reach. It is a genuine honor to have you on this podcast. I'm so excited to be speaking to you right now. Just to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? 
Hi, I'm Dr. Sian Proctor, and I'm a geoscience professor, but I'm also um, really lucky that I became an astronaut last year when I flew on the Inspiration4 mission, the first all-civilian mission to orbit. And during that time, I was the mission pilot, and I became the first Black female to pilot a spacecraft. Tell us about this mission. What was it like? It was the most amazing thing ever. I feel very fortunate that I got selected to go to space last year. I actually won a contest to go to space and I did it as an artist and a poet. So I wrote an original poem and that got me my ticket to space. And then I trained really hard with a bunch of um, my other crew members, which were three other people. And we trained for six months and then we got into a SpaceX Dragon capsule attached to a Falcon rocket and we blasted off into space for three full days. Oh, my goodness. And did these other people who came with you, did they also have space science backgrounds? No, actually, we were all civilians. So technically, we weren't associated with NASA or NASA astronauts. And so my commander, he is a business person. And he actually funded our mission to space because he's been very successful in his business. And then there is Haley, our medical officer. And she's really cool because she's a childhood cancer survivor. And she grew up to become a physician assistant, helping other kids get through childhood cancer. And so she was our medical person. And then my other crew member, Chris, he um, he works in the space industry, um, but he never thought he would go to space. So the four of us came together to form a crew. Unreal. First of all, I just got to ask, what was your first reaction to reaching orbit and looking back at our home planet? It, there's nothing better than seeing our planet from space and experiencing Earth light. So Earth light is when the earth shines on you, kind of similar to moonlight. So think about when you go outside and it's a full moon and you feel the moonlight on your face and you can walk because it's so bright under the moonlight. Well, earth light is a thousand times more bright and more brilliant and beautiful than moonlight. And when I was up in space, I got to have earth light shine on me. Oh, my goodness. What a magical thing that I've never even thought about. Earthlight. Wow. OK, so when we heard that when you go to space, you can only pack a single duffel bag of personal items. So what did you decide to take? I took as much stuff as I possibly could. So I stuffed my duffel bag full and I tried to bring things from friends and family because I wanted them to come on the journey with me and have this experience. So I, I took things like people's wedding rings and one of my friends, a flight attendant. So I took her flight attendant wings and I took pictures and things like that. But I also took pictures of my family with me and I took things that I got when I was 12 years old and 10 years old, like comic books and trading cards and, you know, little stuffed animals, things that have meant something to me my entire life. So I tried to take things not only for myself, but for those around me. That is so beautiful. I have tears in my eyes thinking about you being in space with a duffel bag packed full of all the things you've experienced on Earth that have made your life and, and you as a person so special. 
and having it there with you as you look at the planet as a whole. I mean, it, that's just so special. And it speaks to me, too, because I put so much care and love into some objects sometimes and, and the people that I interact with. I feel like I would want to do the same exact thing. And I'm just that just touches me. It's so special. Yeah, there was nothing like seeing these objects float in space. For instance, I brought a meteorite back to, to space with me and I floated it with the earth in the, in the background. And I also brought art and poetry from my students and from people who I, I know that just would love to have their art floating in space. This just sounds like the most spiritual and mindful experience somebody could ever have. It really was. Let's talk about your motto, Space to Inspire, and how our young listeners can get involved in the Space to Inspire movement and use their own unique, one-of-a-kind strengths and passions to inspire others. Yeah, you know, when I talk about Space to Inspire, a lot of people think that I'm talking about outer space. But what I'm really talking about is your space, the space that surrounds you. The space that goes everywhere you go, that is the most unique, magical space that exists because it's all about you and the things that you want to do with, with your, your strengths and your passions. And so when you think about using your space to inspire, it's about unleashing your creativity, your voice and sharing it with those around you and beyond. And so figuring out what you love and how to be creative that's how you use your space to inspire. And how can folks get involved? Oh, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, you can follow me on social media, but a lot of it is just sharing that message with your friends and talking about your space to inspire. And then imagine if we all talked about our space to inspire and the things that we're going to do with it to change the world, what the world would look like. It would be so beautiful and magical. <laughs> it would be. Um, okay, so you're also well known for your Afrofuturism space art and you're encouraging conversations about women of color in the space industry. And you wrote a book called Dr. Proctor's Space to Inspire, The Art of Inspiration. All of the prints are amazing. I personally, I really like Solar Sisters. I really like those two women with the planet heads. Uh, I think it's so beautiful. But do you have a favorite within your collection? You know, it depends on, yes, they're all special to me because I created all of them, but I really love Black Magic. It's the first one that when you open up the book, it's the first poem. It's one that I did early on, but I also like, I like Seeker because Seeker, the print of Seeker and the poem I brought with me to space. So that one's pretty special also. But this is what happens when you unleash your creativity and use your space to inspire. You create all of these things that you love and it's hard to just pick one. Absolutely. I mean, you have so many talents and, and so many beautiful things to share with the world. So for our listeners, uh, I actually got to interview Dr. Proctor before, um, but only I was dressed as a silly character named Stacy Quasar, and I, I interviewed her for the Adler's YouTube channel, and it was a little bit of a silly interview, but I still learned a ton. <laughs> and at that time, we were talking about food. So you wrote another book called Meals for Mars, which combines images, stories, and recipes highlighting your experience living in a NASA-funded Mars simulation for four whole months. 
So can you tell us a little bit about food and uh, what we can learn from food strategies or long duration space flight and eating? Yeah. So living in that uh, Mars simulation for four months was a lot of fun because I got to cook uh, using freeze dried fruits, meats, vegetables, you know, self-stable ingredients. And what I learned was that right now we we put a lot of energy into shipping food around the world and keeping it fresh or frozen. And And when we think about food, what is it? Food is two big components. It's nutrients and it's water. And what I learned from this uh, Mars simulation is that we can take the water out of food and leave it at its source, making it freeze dried and then ship just the nutrients. So when you think about water, think about a gallon of water when you pick it up. Think about how heavy it is. Water is heavy. So when you remove the water from the food, it makes it a lot lighter. It makes it shelf stable and your chances of it going, it doesn't go bad for a decade, you know? And so yeah. what this means is that when you ship it, it doesn't cost as much. You don't have to put it in the freezer section or in the, or in the refrigerated section anymore. And so when we think about our, our love of food, we can start thinking about, well, how can this type of technology make us more sustainable? And, and so an analogy to this is that a lot of you out there have probably tasted freeze-dried apples or peaches or even mangoes. So right now you can get at your supermarket freeze-dried fruits. But imagine a day when you can also get freeze-dried vegetables and freeze-dried meats. Unreal. I mean, it would it would change the way we eat. And, and like you said, I mean, it would just make a more sustainable earth and a sustainable way of eating. I mean, think about how much food affects sustainability on our earth. And I, I just think it's so cool that you found something that not only we could eat in space, but if we also change the way we eat on earth, you know, we could change the world. Absolutely. So you wrote that solving the challenges of human space exploration also solves humanity focused challenges on earth. So can you share your advice for young learners dreaming about a career in space or science? And also, I just, how can we strive towards a Jedi space, which is just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive for everyone? The way I see this is that it goes back to space to inspire. Because when we're talking about um, a Jedi space and how we can make our own unique space a Jedi space, just equitable, diverse, and inclusive. So that means that when you're out interacting with your family and your peers and you're, and you're growing and developing into the person you're going to become, you want to think about how you can make that Jedi space around you. And what I mean by that is you think about when you're playing with your friends um, and the people that you hang out with and, and how inclusive um, are the groups that you're interacting with when you're playing on the, on the playground or you're playing sports, um, those kinds of things. You, how do you interact with those around you? Are you nice to them? Do you do you make a good crew member? Because if you're going to grow up and become a an explorer like I am, or if you want to go to the moon, Mars or beyond, you got to be a good crew member. And the good crew members create a Jedi space around them, that just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space so that they can get along with everybody. And being a good crew member is important in every aspect of our lives. You know, mm -hmm. just going to the store, 
Yep. And you'd be a better crew member. I love this. Well, Dr. Cyan Proctor, it has been a genuine honor to be able to speak with you today on Reach. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm so glad we've gotten to speak twice now. Yeah. Can I leave with a poll? Absolutely. Please, please. Okay. So this is Black Magic. And I just want to share it with all of you. Unleash your Black Magic like it's your last breath. Unique to just you as the DNA of a supernova. Filled with exploding strength like the pool of gravity. Your whispered dreams manifest as precious as rays of gold. They blow away the light of darkness like a gravitational wave aching to stay, allowing you to gasp at the sublime as the beat of your soul expels the relentless rainbow of time. So I hope everybody out there will go and unleash their Black magic through their space to inspire. Thank you, Cyan. That was so beautiful. What a, That's the best send-off we've ever had. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow, Dr. Proctor is so inspiring. What an incredible conversation. Yes, and what an amazing poem. I loved that moment. Right? And with April being National Poetry Month, we wanted to share another poem by one of our young listeners here at Reach, Astro Ryan. It's entitled, My Dream of Outer Space. Let's give it a listen. My name is Mario. My poem's called My Dream of Outer Space. I like outer space because it's my favorite place. It puts a smile on my face. I like Mars. I like the stars. I wish outer space was that far. One day soon, I'll take a trip to the moon. Until then, I learn as much as I can about our galaxy, the Milky Way. I know one day soon, outer space is a rocket ship. Okay. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Ryan. And would you believe? That was the first poem Ryan has ever written. It was so good. Well, for other listeners out there, if you have an original space-related poem to share with us, we'd love to hear it. And it could even end up on a future episode of Reach. Just write your poem, record yourself reading it however is most convenient for you, and send it to reachthepodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing them. Ryan, what an amazing conversation with Dr. Cyan Proctor. There were so many amazing takeaways in that interview. Yes, I love the way that she appreciates home and family and friends and people and all her memories. And she tried to incorporate that into her amazing adventure in space. Yeah, and I really like the idea of Jedi space. I mean, it's a, a catchy title and it's a really important topic. So I think that that's cool. Our genuine thanks once again to Dr. Cyan Proctor for joining us on Reach. Do you have a science or space-related question? We'd love to hear from you. Just get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and your question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. You can also send questions via email at reachthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to acknowledge that not everyone has access to computers or the internet, and if you're not able to get online, many local libraries offer publicly available internet access. Thanks for joining us on Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're your hosts, Meredith Stepien. And Brian Holden. This episode of Reach was written by Sandy Marshall, with Nate DeFort, Meredith Stepien, and Brian Holden. 
Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall, who's a solar system ambassador for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. And our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. A very special thanks to Dr. Cyan Proctor, geoscientist, explorer, space artist, author, speaker, and astronaut. To learn about how you can get involved with Dr. Proctor's Space to Inspire movement and use your unique space to inspire those within your reach and beyond, visit myspacetoinspire.com. You can follow Dr. Proctor online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Check out our show notes for links to each of these platforms. Big thanks to Astro Ryan for sharing the poem, My Dream of Outer Space. Way to go, Ryan! We'd also like to offer a special thanks to Kay Ferrari at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and to everyone at NASA Space Place. And as always, a big thanks to the REACH Learning Community for the amazing contributions. Way to go! Hey Brian, side note, did you know that a day on Venus is approximately 243 Earth days long? Wow, definitely gives you the extra time to finish your homework, you know, if you're still in school. Yeah. If you're enjoying Reach, be sure to tell your friends and leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice or share an episode on social media. I guess it's also a lot of time to just kind of procrastinate your homework. So there's, you know, half glass full, half glass empty. And if you'd like to visit us online, visit at Reach the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or on our website at reachthepodcast.com. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com. 